Hello and welcome to season four, episode 16 of The Dive. I am Kobe, joined by Azale and Mark Z. Uh, and this episode is brought to you by Honda, powering us to dive deeper. Today, we are going to be talking about our week one LCS reactions. And of course, we are going to have to talk about the biggest topic, which is all Pokemon the criticism. Snap. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Pokemon Snap. Of course, of course. Glad you got that in there. I told you I got it in there. <laughs> all right, now I like to wait. It's, it was at the top of your head, so you're like, oh, I better say this before I forget because <laughs> I'm going to get it in. Uh, I'm yeah, like a Pokemon. goldfish, you know? You just got to... <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of which, a lot of criticism leveled at the LCS weekend. Um, I think definitely deservedly so. Uh, it's it's a big topic to unpack because there's a lot of layers that went on. Um, there's some underlying problems that uh, we for sure need to uh, fix. Um, you know, all of us need to do better, but there's also things on top of it like technical issues um, and then a lot of risks were taken as far as some new directions that, uh, you know, some landed, some didn't land. Uh, how are you guys dealing with uh, processing through all these different layers? Because it is complicated and there definitely are a lot of things that we really need to fix. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, for, for me, uh, I, so I didn't, I didn't read any of the Reddit threads. I didn't see any of that Never stuff. Never do. So, so like that, that I know, do. Isn't, isn't what I'm <laughs> basing my stuff off of. But obviously I got a lot of comments on, on Twitter and, you know, people sending me tweets and asking why is this happening? Why is that happening? Um, obviously a lot of people unhappy about Sushi Dragon stuff feeling like that didn't really fit. Um, you know, obviously I think Friday Night League, that is people see that as LCS. People don't see that as like Friday Night League. And I think that's kind of like one of the mistakes that was made in that, you know, people um, are going to see this. And this is like the debut of the league for summer 2020. And Friday Night League wants to have a bit of a different tone, right? And once you're into the regular season and, and it's kind of like a different day, it's a weekday, which traditionally has been tougher to get viewership on. You know, we've tried Fridays, we've tried Mondays. So they're obviously trying to go for a, a bit of a different look and try some different things. Um, you know, Sushi Dragon is part of that. Uh, obviously, a lot of people felt like it didn't really fit the tone of the broadcast, and I get that. Um, but you know, th they're trying stuff, right? And, and that's kind of where it comes to. Uh, as far as as far as some of the other stuff, I mean, I think there is valid criticism for sure, and people know that, and people are working really hard at fixing a lot of things and finding improvements. Um, but you know, some of the things I think that that were tried were actually really cool. Uh, I do think that like the LCS dome, actually, like the exterior shot looks really awesome. Um, the biodome you know, thing from the outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the scuttle crab going through. Yeah, yeah, that looks really Our cool. Our windows maybe. Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's obviously issues with like resolution on, on the cams and like how, how that's being fed through. I know that it's an entire entirely new system that they're using this split compared to last split that is supposed to get us some gains once it's actually running smoothly. And I think that's why it's been swapped to. Um, but there's obviously some issues with encoding. The cameras are, are, you know, the aspect ratios are kind of messed up. So when it's in the four box, it looks a little bit janky. Um, there's clearly some issues there, but you know, there, there's some, uh, kind of like little, little graphics that we've had that are really, really cool. Like I know one they're they're showing with double lift and kind of his history and like they had, you know, kind of like, it was like over water and, and like plants and all this stuff. And I thought it looked fucking like awesome. Um, so I do think some of the stuff that has been tried looked really, really cool. Some of it, I could see how it could be cool. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping that that can kind of be worked on and, and developed and, and improved. 
because to be honest at the end of the day i thought the games were fucking awesome i was really happy to have lcs back i actually had so much fun this weekend watching the games and didn't even realize how much i missed it until i was actually sitting there and like like a kid in a candy shop like, i was i realized I was really how much i missed it, it. <laughs> i mean yeah. I, I i feel like i missed it but like i i was i didn't realize how much i was gonna feel better that it was back right like, yeah because nothing was going on this last like month or two for us we're just in quarantine and i was like damn i missed the lcs and i actually loved it so i think overall it was still a great weekend and stuff is gonna get better i think um you talked a lot about the technical components which i definitely uh think stood out to a lot of people mm-hmm. um and i talked a lot about this on hotline league if people want like a longer thing on my thoughts but like there's a lot of components you can break it down into there's like straight up technical there's art and like graphic direction there's content direction you know consistency of all these like there's a lot of different ways you can break it down and like the technical stuff which i think people were focusing on a decent amount um doesn't bother me because i feel like that'll get ironed out with the amount of like intelligent people working on this uh like i talked about this a little bit already i think it's fine to say that like we had a huge audio delay in our own ears on friday night league which is probably why that felt really janked people like kobe and i if we wanted to banter we had a 260 milliseconds, you know, a quarter second delay. Like imagine playing a game with 250 ping and then like trying to banter live, you know, it's, it's just like, you can't jump in when you're, you're a quarter second behind. It was, <laughs> I like your, <laughs> like, get me in. <laughs> Kobe's making a joke. I want to get in there. You just, you just can't do it. So like, yeah. that's part of it. And like that, all that stuff's going to get, get ironed out. And that's, those yeah. are the kinds of things that look really bad, but can get fixed quickly. And I think those were already fixed by, by Saturday and Sunday when you saw some of the other countdown segments and how much better we were able to vamp and have fun. Uh, it's like the creative direction, the content that we're making, uh, some of those things that I've definitely, uh, I think, are where I'm more focused on because I don't really have any ability to influence the technical side and stuff like that. So I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of things, a lot of different avenues to talk about. Um, and I think all of them are, going to get looked at in the coming weeks just based you know off how people are talking about it internally and stuff yeah i mean just a real quick couple of things uh that to like aim for obviously some of the biggest things that lec does so well are those ads the um the promotional the ads. Content. yeah those things are done really well they're like rap battles and uh stuff that uh draco writes um you know those types of things i think are done really well and like packaged really well as a youtube things promoted out there really well so um yeah we definitely we've we've got a we've got some stuff in the works uh as far as improvements go and hopefully we can make the grind work um another thing still sticking on lcs as people uh it kind of snowballed this whole conversation into all these different areas and we've retouched areas that have been hit on a lot for LCS over the years. And one of the things that has been reemerging is the age of our players and uh, the LCS retirement home uh, type of conversation, which which is pretty interesting because we do our region is so different from uh, from you know LPL or EU, where we have a much smaller player base. I think. It, that kind of creates some issues that um, have really weird solutions. And this LCS retirement home and age topic um, kind of looks at a couple different forks, um, I think, I think of that issue. So if uh, you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a front page post on Reddit where this guy goes through with the average age of LCS players compared to each of the other you know, major regions. Um, 
We are two years on average, uh, much older than uh, LPL, uh, LEC, and LCK. Even two and a half over LPL, they're actually the the youngest of those uh, of those four. And uh, I mean, just a theoretical discussion of what do you guys think about the main complaint of why aren't we getting more young talent in there? Of course, there's a systemic thing I'm talking about where we have kind of less coming up, but we also probably need to do more. If you look at EU Masters and those types of things of driving more of this, you know, motivated younger generation of, you know, we need more talented mechanical players that you can build up into, you know, strategic players. And, and it's a kind of snowball process, I feel like. For me, I think this is one of those things, and this is a personal trigger of mine. It's like when I see someone whose opinion and the points that they're making, and I agree with them ultimately, but then like the actual arguments they're putting forward I disagree. I think are bad arguments because it's like, you're on my side and you're representing my opinion poorly. Stop that. <laughs> you know, like that bothers me so much more than seeing the other side, like being wrong in my head, you know? So like, I I'm, I'm glad this guy made this post. I'm glad he talked about the average age being really high. You know, we have 22 players over 24, the next closest Academy at 11. And then the next closest is uh, LCK and LEC at nine. So, you know, like these are interesting numbers. That I'm really glad he's shedding light on, but some of the takeaways like, oh, player reaction time starts dropping. It's like, ah, there's really not much evidence that that actually matters. CSGO has pros into their 30s. Pro sports have players playing till 40. Dude, fighting games are the ultimate example. That is like pure mechanics and there's 30-year-olds winning EVO. Yeah, exactly. So like that argument of, of age inherently being bad doesn't track. And what really happens is people move on in their life when you're 18 years old and you live with your mom and all you care about is getting good at this game or whatever, you know, and you're, you're trying to break out, like it consumes your life and you go all in hundred percent, play a million hours, get really good. And then after five years of it, what happens is your motivation starts dropping and you become, you, you know, like girlfriend, there's other you get a girlfriend, or, you have sponsorship obligations. These other things no. start weighing. And, and I'm still like, working on that uh, girlfriend part. <laughs> yeah, you retired. That was your mistake, dude. Get back in the game. You'll see what happens. It can be a new segment for the dive. You know, we could die the dive looking for love with we'll, Kobe. We'll make a Cupid section for you. you have an app, really... Don't you? Did you make an app for this? <laughs> I, I did. I made a whole another <laughs> made a whole another company. I got a whole project working on this. <laughs> Um, I really like your like your point though, Mark. So I, I don't want to derail it completely. Um, I want to like rally you up and, and keep you going because I completely agree. Um, there's actually a lot of uh, studies that I looked into, you know, years ago when we were making, um, you know, some comparisons on a, a, a L LCS show uh, of another lifetime, where uh, the the reaction speeds uh, due to age don't really start dropping off until um, you get up to the next level of like 40s and stuff like that. So uh, it is much more about, I think, you know, motivations um, mm -hmm. and what's going on in your life. And so maybe the topic of, um, you know, creating this space at the top does create kind of this upward momentum of people driving to achieve that. You're talking about people moving on with their lives. The reason that it works in other sports is there. there's this goal at the top where like, Yes, I can make that upward momentum and, you know, make 
millions of dollars. So I, I don't want to move on with my life. Like that's my life. I want to move on in this direction. Um, and so I think maybe some people are like, okay, so there's too many blockers at the top maybe, which well, is, is taking away some of that upward momentum. For, for me, the, the, like the reason that was always that with esports was there wasn't that money. There wasn't that stability. Now there right? is. Now there is. And that, and that's why it's, it's really funny because so there, there are some negatives, right? Like if, if you have players who have been around forever, who have never been like really very good and are just kind of there because you can't find anyone new to replace them and they're just kind of hanging around and they've never changed their level, they're not improving, then yeah, that's a problem, right? Like that's, yeah. that, those are the players that you want to be replaced. But saying that the LCS has an average age of two years older to me actually means fucking nothing. Like I, I actually think it's a, it's a, a good thing if the average age is going up, if as long as it's the good players that are staying around, because to me that was that was always that was always going to be the sign that esports were actually becoming more successful. Because I don't believe that you are getting, you know, you just inherently get bad as you get as you turn twenty five or something, right? Like, That's my be, excuse, Azale. <laughs> That's why like, I sucked out though. Player, players can be, you know, like well well into their thirties, right, mid late thirties, I think, and and still have that similar reaction time and. Uh, I, I think that like that's a sign that stability is actually growing. That people haven't just moved on. The reason I stopped playing while I was in esports was because I wasn't making any any money and I wanted stability in my life, right? And when EG stopped sponsoring WoW, it was like, okay, well now I don't have this contract. Now what do I do? Do I want to depend on just only tournament winnings and like some money? Well, no, I didn't feel comfortable doing that, so I so I moved on to a different career. And those kind of things have been happening in esports for for decades, right? People like don't have that stability, so they look for a more traditional route and. I think it's actually really cool that with the LCS, people are making enough money now that this is where they want to stay. This is what they want to continue doing, right? The, the problem comes when, when you want to replace players, but you can't find anyone to replace them with, right? And I think that for me, one of the solutions, because we do have a small player base, is looking more towards these these smaller regions right and we have seen examples of this uh i believe it was referenced in the post was saying like hey these guys aren't even that young right like but like closer and fbi and broken blade and, and ryoma and these sorts of players i think it's pretty clear that uh you know the light bulb is kind of like flicked on and people know that these regions exist and some of these players exist and can be successful i do think teams are going to be looking more heavily towards some of the minor regions and sourcing players in there, trying to develop their scouting from there. And I think that that's something that can help to solve this problem. And you hopefully bring in, you know, new young North American talent too. But if you have your 26 year old guy who's been playing since he's 18 and he's the exact same and he's always been at the bottom, then maybe, yeah, it's, it's time to inject some new talent and bring in someone else. I think, um, the 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 thing that interests me is like you know why is our churn slower than others is is the big question because smaller I think what, pool yeah smaller pool is a huge one and I always have talked about I've talked about this for years about how population size is is super important North America is actually you know half the size of, in terms of player base and that was that's outdated data I don't know if it's changed since then but it was like 2018 data that that I, I reference where our player base for ranked is about half the size of other of EU and Korea and then China's just this whole other ball game. Uh, I think what happens was the grind culture in LCS for pro play in Korea and China, these kinds of things where you just play insane hours uh, to become really good. Like that's why the churn is so much higher. There is like, there's always a hungry 17, 18 year old who's high rated than challenger who is playing hundreds and thousands of solo queue games and they're ready and hungry to take your spot. And I don't feel like that same 
there's quite that pressure from the bottom on the people on the top. And it creates this like weird circular problem a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I don't think that this means that North America doesn't have problems with its scouting and talent development. Yeah. Yeah. And like these, can these be can true. be two issues. Like <clears throat> I totally agree. Age is not a limiting factor. I totally agree. North America has a population size issue. I don't know why some of the players are still getting jobs. Yeah. I, like that still blows my brain sometimes when I look at some of the, some of the people. Yeah. I, I, I like that we can, you know, separate this into the multiple things that are kind of like confounding factors, because if you look at some individuals and you can put a microscope down and you can be like, identify, all right, there is complacency here. Um, and, and that again is usually replaced by the upward draft that I was talking about before of the younger um, you know, more motivated players that are grinding away because they want that spot at the top are the ones that replace the older, jaded, you know, complacent uh, players that are like, ah, yeah, it's so nice up here. You know, there's there's no young talent trying to take my spot. So, you know, I, uh, you know, don't have to work as hard to keep stay where I'm at. I think that balance is something that's really difficult and something that North America has mm-hmm. completely out of whack. Um and it's an interesting thing of like maybe where multiple parts where that comes from. Um, you know, is it the, the GMs? Uh, is it some of the actual public facing riot structures of motivation? Um, everyone always talks about how trash our solo queue is. Um, it, should there be more motivations for creating this area that you can be a grind lord? Like Mark is talking about these super young, motivated, all this talent in, in LPL. Yes, they have a bigger uh, population, but also there's just so many that, that want to just grind away and get to the top so they can get seen and so they can get to the next step. Um, you know, maybe there is something that we can do to the structure to have some rewards at the top of Challenger so that you have this real goal instead of like just a you know, Challenger recall or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> And then we also need to have another structure of those, um, those types of goals and those types of meaningful steps that you can hit. Because if it's such a long leap from, all right, I need to grind all the way up this solo queue and then jump through Academy and reach up to LCS before you hit something meaningful. Well, there is scouting be- grounds. Yeah. Right? And that, that is partially supposed to be part of the reward of getting high is that you qualify for scouting grounds. That's how you're supposed to make that, that step into Academy kind of. Yeah, and I think I mean, one of the problems is like the, these aren't all maybe working uh, exactly. For me, the perfect example of it working is tactical. Um, tactical, I feel like, is how, how it should go. Mm-hmm. He, he grinded at the top of solo queue. He had multiple accounts up there for a long time. Um, picked up, you know, he's on the Team Liquid uh, sub roster. Uh, he's on the uh, Academy team. And then he gets his, his time. He gets his spot. Double lift says himself, he's not motivated and he gets six and they're like, all right, put in tactical. Let's see how this works. Oh my God. Looks like we actually did some good work scouting and and had a, you know, a good academy system here going on our team gets implemented into the LCS and starts out two zero in his first, you know, full time starting LCS split. Yeah. So I, I do think that, you know, there, there is improvement to be made obviously like everywhere, right? Like the riot side can improve for sure. I, I do tend to feel like it's more of a, a team and, and GM problem. Um, 
I think that is an incredibly hard problem to solve. You know, so I'm definitely not trying to to pretend as though it's like just you know, do these three just simple say steps. It. Yeah. Who are you talking about? Papa Smithy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I you mean, know, for the record, uh, 100 Thieves, they have three layers of teams, by the way. Yep, they yep, have like they have a below Academy Future or whatever it's called. But a but, couple teams have that. There's like four or five of yep, them, I think. TSM does. I don't, I don't know who all does. But, um, you know, it, it's obviously an incredibly difficult problem to solve. But I do think that uh, the first step has been completed, and that is people being aware that there are, are other solutions. So Cloud9, you know, just look at their team. Vulcan, Blabber, Licorice, right? You know, that is a, a large reason that they are, are, are looking so damn good, and it's all young and NA, right? And then you have some of these guys who are coming in, like, look at Closer, look at Broken Blade, people who are, who are really getting kind of like, you know, a lot of, of notice. Closer, especially, I think, has looked incredible so far this season. That is also making people say, hey, we want more of these kind of players. But then it's, it's not that easy past that because you need to develop a scouting system for other regions. A lot of the teams and players and people, myself included, don't really have good contacts in, you know, in Turkey and, and in some of these other regions where there are really talented players. So if you're a GM and you watch a couple of games, you're not really sure what to think of these players. You don't have the same kind of pipeline where you can talk to someone and say, hey, what kind of a person is he? Does he get along well with others? Is he actually motivated? You know, what am I getting here? Those are the kind of things that people want to know beyond just what they can see on the screen. You know, how easy is he to coach? Uh, how flexible is he with his play style? All these sorts of things. And a lot of times teams are, are uncomfortable picking someone up if they don't have that sort of information. So I think that is now getting developed by teams. And as that progresses, we're going to see more of an influx of, of younger players because you, you feel comfortable to pick them up. Yeah. Uh, I was interviewed by a couple of teams, you know, over, over the years for like GM positions or managerial positions. And my pitch was always that I would actually spend more time focusing on the Academy side of it and, and use that as a, you know, testing ground mm. for, uh, you know, scouting multiple different sources of possible next year players because only a couple teams can focus on, all right, our team is going to be the best in the LCS. We're going to slam down a bunch of money. These players are great right now. These players, we know their personalities. We know how they work together. This is going to be a winning roster. Um, I wanted to focus a lot on, all right, how are we finding the next generation and doing kind of like uh, what you're referring to of uh, like psychological profiles of them yeah. in addition to scouting, you know, the generic talent of climbing solo queue. So I feel like you start with, all right, we pick all these names at the top and then you go through and try and do the next steps and then put them together in Academy. And you're gonna have to sacrifice Academy wins. I don't think, you know, many orgs are gonna have a big problem with that uh, as, as far as getting, gaining a lot for learning and having a, a good rotation of that. Now, back to your cloud nine thing, I wanted to add just, I thought it was such a cool stat when we were talking about them winning and this is a legacy organization. Cloud nine has been around forever. None of the players on the cloud nine roster right now that are the most dominant team the LCS has ever had, had previously won a championship. None of well, them. Well, had, but not but that was in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. But it was, yeah. it, was, it was in Europe. None of we had won an LCS championship. And that's, I thought that was, that really spoke volumes because everyone always points to Cloud9. They find talent, talent generation. Reaper's always looking to, you know, bring people up, move them together and put these pieces. So 
yeah, and I think to combo off of Zale's point, a lot of people talk about like the minor regions and doing that kind of stuff and like scouting those. Um, but I feel like there's very little effort put into trying to find talent in solo queue in other regions like it's all like closer was is well known in opl of course, and yeah. he was and, yeah they, they were the second well, place not in opl excuse me tcl and same yeah. with broken blade and then yep. ryomo is well known in opl and like so is fbi and these guys and like there's so much young talent in china like this post is talking about it blows my brain that people do not have a scouting arm dedicated to trying to get some younger Chinese talent into North America. And it's hard and I know it's hard and you can do the same thing with Korea and you can do the same thing with Europe and try and get to them before other regions do. And it's a hard pitch. I understand that. And like people always try and tell me all the reasons it's difficult, but no one ever sells you on the upside of like, what if you got to Chovy first? What if you could have gotten to like some of these players before uh, they got developed? Cause like Phoenix, what came over to North America to play after having a very short stint in the uh, LCK. Um, and then he was on one of these like amateur teams and we picked him up. He was 18 at the time. He hadn't really had his full shot. He was young and you know, I'm not saying he was a superstar, but he was good. He was better than most North American mid laners for the vast majority of his career. And like, I don't know why we take stabs at developed products already in other regions and we don't go and scout their solo queue correctly and have, you know, people, like people, people wanna, <laughs> I like how Marcus actually taking stabs. People want a sure thing, right? Yeah. That, that's the reason. And but and, that's and that's, uh, I agree. It's I agree with you completely. Yeah. It's it's I, I think it, it is the wrong approach. But again, it's 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 a hard thing to to solve. So it's much easier to just go and say, oh, this guy was really good. Let's see if he wants to join our team. And you know, like I mean, L LPL is the perfect example. And, and I've I've talked with a lot of people about this and teams and stuff too. Um, you know, where it's like LPL is expanding to 20 teams. They're going to have 20 pro teams. They're going to have 20, you know, LSPL teams, academy teams. That is 40 teams. Even if you don't do the extra effort nice, of, of then, uh, of scouting down into, into Silicon, thanks, Kobe. That, I, I, I prepped that one. Watch, watch um, the academy league. Just, yeah, literally just fucking scout the LSPL. They have so many young players. I mean, their, their solo queue is like 10 X, whatever else is as far as actual player base. It's insane, right? There's clearly going to be the most talent there. Um, and, and you can get some of those young players. And if you can get people who are interested, uh, then, then that is something that could be really, really profitable and really, really successful for your team. Obviously it requires a lot of steps. Just now, our, our team's telling me that they feel comfortable with their process in bringing over Korean players because they want language tutors, they want translators, they want all these things. So you have to get that too and get people who understand the game and so on and so forth, you know, for, for um, you know, Mandarin and whatnot too, right? And, and other languages as well, if you want to look for other leagues. And visas other are a concern. Yeah, visas are a concern. So there, there is a lot that goes into it. It's not simple, but I think, I think that, you know, scouting those players is the future. And, um, you know, it's 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 a really interesting problem to tackle. I definitely think that uh, the one thing that feels retirement homey to me about about uh, like you know is when you bring over a player who is clearly peaked past their peak, is still a big name, and then you sign them. Right, that is what always disappoints me when when you see some of that stuff where it's like, oh come on, like you got that guy right there, and and people try to like group all of the Korean imports into that, and I don't think that's true. You know, mm -hmm. someday is an easy example of people were saying someday was top three top laners in the world currently when he came over to NA, right? You know, there are guys who have come over completely in their prime, 
impact has been, you know, incredible in NA, uh, has had a lot of success here. Obviously, like, you know, the winning the world is going to be your peak, right? You know, maybe unless he does that again. Uh, but there are some players who, who have come over and, and not really like looked like they cared, not really looked like they want it. Um, and that's why sometimes you see them, you know, kind of go back pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I do think the language thing is a really big uh, point, and some of the teams have better structures in place than other ones mm-hmm. um, to be able to go, you know, to LPL or LCK. But Europe has a huge player base, um, and their the EU Masters is a is a really great breeding ground. What I've heard from some of the GMs and owners is that it's actually hard because NA has a bad re- reputation. Um, and I keep coming back to like the solo queue, having this good public ground to to be able to grind and to have, um, you know, con- continued improvement as being a really important piece in this big puzzle um, because of some of the things you're talking about where we have had a lot of instances of these, um, you know, paycheck collectors and uh, retirees actually coming over some pensioners um, coming yeah, over yeah, we, from the LCK. Actually, <laughs> it's it's kind of it's damaged the reputation so now it's actually hard or they're telling me that it's been difficult for them to bring over um even some of the already english-speaking young uh european talent um and i completely agree with the point of like when you're scouting someone and i'm not gonna name names but if you bring someone over who's been in the pro scene for like seven years and actually never even had a peak and, and everybody had a peak sometimes you just don't want to talk about where it was okay sometimes it's like just above sea level his yeah. peak was like Whoop. yeah <laughs> and you're like, like a peak where he got a double kill in this one game six yeah. years ago and you're like all right i'm pretty sure i know what i need to know about this player uh yeah i think it's also worth noting too like just because you get your hands on a, a raw talent from another region they're not going to develop maybe the same way they would over there like like i referenced Chobi. i don't think Chobi becomes Chobi in north america somehow we we got to him before then but i don't think um just ignoring young talent only going for importing known quantities is the right thing to do at all huni was a relatively unknown quantity when europe brought him over he was a third stringer on oh i forget which lck team but he was a third stringer he was a backup player and he was like Mm -hmm. training with gamsu and stuff or something i forget which team it was um but yeah and then he became one of the best uh imported players ever so i think that like there is those kinds of players that people should be looking at the backups samsung that, samsung samsung um, galaxy baby yeah like look at the you know the 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 people who are on the cusp of come up in these other regions and hard target them and really try and sell them and like kobe says it's a tough sell i don't want to pretend it's not but i don't feel like i've heard people be like oh yeah we really tried you know you, you hear the reasons why it wouldn't work before you even hear they tried a lot of the time and the, the last thing I, I want to say is a little bit in defense of NA. It is not an excuse, but it is just a fact that it is a much harder job for the NA teams and GMs to create really good teams because the player pool is smaller. And we're talking about, oh, just develop a complex scouting system in China, Europe, you know, uh, Turkey, uh, all over. Also have a great set of translators who understand League of Legends in depth because, by the way, there's incredible amounts of lingo that aren't real words in those languages that you wouldn't understand. Um, and, you know, foster a, a good system, you know, consistently to bring these players over and get visas and do all these things. Like, it's just much more complex than going to your Soliki rankings be like, oh, hey, this guy's pretty high. Let's talk to him, right? And, you know, the, the scouting is, is much more difficult 
because of some of the, the player-based issues that the NA teams um, face. Doesn't mean that they shouldn't fix them. Doesn't mean that they shouldn't be working on them. They should, and hopefully they will, because the teams that do are going to be the ones that are successful over the next couple of years. Uh, but it's a lot harder than than just being able to go into your own backyard and find everything you need, um, as I think is true in, in LPL and uh, LEC right now. My two final thoughts, uh, LS came on Hotline League and talked about some of this stuff, and we had a good conversation about things North America's not doing great for for scouting and talent development. So if, if you want to see more, that's a, a, another thing to watch. <laughs> Self-plug, Ayo. The other thing I was going to say is I, Isaiah like woke up on the wrong side of the bed today or something. Have you? Heard, his, he's got a little potty mouth this episode. I love it. Have you been paying attention? <laughs> I, I, I cursed a couple times at the start. That's true. I, I love it. I was going to say, like, man, I like feisty as ale. No. Thank All you. right, let's move on. Was well, that the uh, right side of the bed then? Or was the wrong side. <laughs> of the Whatever. Bed? Keep waking up on that side. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the LCS here, um, because I really like that conversation. Um, that was a good yeah. one. And there's yeah. it's something that's really close to to our hearts. So we did trail off <laughs> and go on uh, quite a few tangents uh, because we care. Uh, but Cloud Nine, um, let's get back to success stories here, baby, because they picked up right where they left off um and kind of like we had been theorizing i was like all right the changes in the off season this is going to do nothing to hinder cloud nine or give them any speed bumps you know people were worried oh but they didn't get to show at msi is their time going to be passed are they going to be bad now is the, the meta not going to work out they can't do the same thing no it's actually better blabber can just pick olaf and run through your whole jungle run through your whole team he he keeps on giving his interviews and he's like, um, this is so easy. Like I'm just power farming and then I'm going from camp to camp to camp to then their champions and then their camps. And like <laughs> one, two, three, boom. Um, and they can even have games where it, it looked like, oh, Licorice made a mistake. So he's pushing up. Um, I believe it was his uh, gangplank game. Um, he's pushing up. He gets his flash solo blown by someday. I'm like, Someday he's still got a man like he, he can blow a blow offensive flash on on Orn and open up a gank opportunity. Boom! You see Medios, he goes right up there. You're like this is what you want to see. Somebody giving Cloud Nine a run for their money. They kill Licorice, and then you're just like, hmm. Well, Blabber on the bottom side just kept on farming away with his Olaf. Then they took over the other side of the map. Got both skulls, and then you yeah, don't really have anything like ahead. okay, <laughs> you got a kill on your Orn on the top side, but some days on Orn so. I mean, he's going to come through and use his ultimate, but like, he would do that anyway, I guess. <laughs> and Cloud9 still do their same thing. Um, I think it's really important, even though there's no dispute around this conversation of them being good, them being the best, to give them praise for the ways that they're doing it. And they still have this exceptional team coordination, and they still have this raw focus on remaining proactive above all costs and drafting this way where they are putting their players in position to succeed and bully opponent teams off of these objectives and off of the map. I think the, the point about setting themselves up is a huge one. I think C9, better than any team in North America, has have, have played around specific people really well. Uh, when Licorice made his debut, you know, a lot of their draft focused on being carry topside, and that was their play style um, when he came in. He played a lot of that kind of stuff, and now that he's the more flexible player, arguably it's, it's blabber who gets all the, like a lot of the draft folks. And that Olaf game you're talking about, they had a Galio to Alton on top. They had a GP to Alton into the jungle, wherever he picked a fight. Then Ezreal who can shoot an ultimate 
And who was their support? It was another one that could help. Yumi. Oh, it was Yumi. Yumi. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, Jump the on. ultimate, the ultimate support for, for Olaf to give him some lockdown, some heals, some speed up. So like they do such a good job of crafting these team comps around whatever power pick they're trying to do, whatever their game plan is and, and executing on it. Um, because that top jungle fight that kind of swung the orange or the GP back into the game was because of the Olaf and then how many people could collapse. Yeah. I, I think that the FlyQuest game was also really, really fun to watch. Uh, because oh, yeah. it like Cloud9 kind of just is exuding confidence at this point, right? You know, and, and it was it was exciting to see FlyQuest actually match them blow for blow as far as the fights were concerned. They were falling behind in golden objectives and whatnot, but it was like they were actually down to scrap, right? Yeah. You know, we're having this like 10-man scuttlecrab fights and stuff and like all <laughs> kinds of craziness. Uh, it was really fun, but you know, Cloud9 is is one of those teams that, you know, they if if their if their composition is about fighting early, right? They're going to fight you and they're not going to be, you know, dissuaded or or discouraged by the fact that one fight goes poorly, right? As it did in that FlyQuest game, the first fight of the game, they actually lost, you know, despite having this LeBlanc mid that had priority, having the Olaf, you know, there, it was supposed to be this fight that was going to go great for them. It didn't work out, but they, it doesn't slow them down where other teams sometimes then at that point go back and they just turtle and they're like, okay, we'll just farm it out and hope we can win team fights later. They're just going to keep swinging, keep taking those fights because they have the confidence that they will execute in them and that, you know, nine times out of 10, they will win those fights. And it's, that's why it's so fun to watch that. Like they lose this major fight, but they still are closing games out in 30 minutes, 25 minutes. And, you know, are able to do it in such an aggressive manner. Um, the Olaf LeBlanc game was another great example of the priority they put on Blabber, where Niski is roaming and Blabber is catching the waves. You know, they they do this three-man dive top, both solo laners recall. He takes a solo turret plate as the jungler, clears a full wave, <laughs> then recalls, and Kobe's like, yeah, that's a good strategy there. I should use that. <laughs> I, I mean, that's what I do in solo queue, and then in solo queue... <laughs> you just don't have their permission. That's the difference. There's, yeah. there's all these pings around me and i was like <laughs> i'm being efficient here i'm blabber I'm, don't you watch blabber i am closer to the mid lane so i take this farm right now you're closer to top we make a rotation as a team you move the closer resources there yes for some reason they never get it and everyone's selfish yeah. so you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i mean it's, yeah you just walk around smiting cannons selfish teammates <laughs> just don't understand <laughs> i do um especially like uh that the biggest part about making the game fun to watch is actually not even oh look how great cloud nine are it's that thank god we have a team actually forcing cloud nine to have an, an alternate game plan we're forcing cloud nine to actually you know, have some sort of setback in their game rather than just steamrolling over everybody. So I really liked FlyQuest. Mm -hmm. And specifically, I want to shout out PoE. Um, I think PoE, again, deserves accolades for this team. He was deep teleporting to the bottom side as Corky, you know, trying to make creative package uses, trying to cut people off when Cloud9 are overextending. You know, he, he was a big driver for aggressive gameplay. And some of the criticisms over the years that people have just, you know, associated with him and become accustomed and maybe even become, um, you know, AFK complacent and just like, oh, yeah, we could throw the same old, you know, definitions at Power of Evil. He's the long range a mage player in mid lane. He focuses on CS. Um, I feel like he's he's much more dynamic than that, and um, and he he really showed it. Yes, like you're saying, you know, FlyQuest still got run over in the end, but it was cool to see them embracing the idea that you also have to be confident when you're playing against Cloud Nine, or else 
Cloud9 get freebies. And yeah. multiple players have always said this about you know, SK Telecom, when you have to go against the Giants, or G2, when you have to play against this team that's so dominating, you can't let them get free steps in the beginning of the game of, oh my God, you know, a single person walking by themselves into our jungle to place all these deep wards. He must have people behind him. Let's let him get all this stuff for free. Then you have a real deficit in the game rather than just the mental deficit of, oh, we're playing these really uh, good players. And I, I think that's the that's the first step in you know teams trying to compete at the top with C nine who have dominated so hard. So FlyQuest, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you're good. It was like a this like. I just want to make sure at the end we're like we're done with C nine. I know it was funny because FlyQuest. You, you went on to FlyQuest and ended up back us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> He's like, but you're not allowed. FlyQuest. I gotta yeah. give you a little. Uh... Uh, so on FlyQuest, their second game was also a really scrappy one. Uh, and I think it's it's cool to see them trying to evolve into a scrappier team. Uh, mm -hmm. They played Immortals. You know, POE was like, they, they had a gank mid where uh, Rakan, uh, Ignar misses his W. And POE still flash alting as Cassiopeia forward. And they end up getting killed for it. Uh, and it, it slows their game plan down. But you Mark's see like, that, That's what I like to see. I, I like hustle, to see it. It's game two against Immortals. Get aggressive. Make some mistakes. It's fine. You're still going to win. You know, like go for it, and I think that's that's really key to to uh, improving is when you're willing to put yourself out there and make these kinds of mistakes. Um, and I think to your point about Poe, even on a control mage and on Corky, he's playing aggressive and trying to be like that. And last split, we saw him starting to be that way. He was picking Rumble mid. He was getting kills early. Um, I think this is a great development that he's actually had for for a period of time now. That's that's translating on the stage, and I hope FlyQuest keeps this up uh, because it does look a lot better um than uh some of the passive play style things we've seen at some of these players worse yeah i mean i i've been pretty excited by um by FlyQuest. I, you know i think it, it is nice to see and, and as you say like i agree it's, it's better to to like take this aggressive play style that you know is the correct way to do it and and iterate at it and practice at it and prove it because at the end of the day there's no easy way to be cloud nine right and and i get you know so many questions on twitter and stuff like oh like what's the weakness of cloud nine like how do you you know what's the the easy easy way to beat them like how do you beat them in draft or whatever and it's like well at the end of the day uh, you know their laners are pretty much the best in the league their jungler is the best in the league there is no super easy way to do it. You're going to have to outfight them. You're going to have to, you know, match them in their playstyle because they are going to play incredibly aggressive. They're going to get in your face and take these fights. And if you're unable to do that, then you're giving them free objectives and they're going to have an advantage and win off of that. So you've got to be willing to match them and to outfight them. And that is something that is just not an easy thing to do. Uh, but that's going to be the ask for teams. But I would also say another team I was actually really, really excited about in week one is EG. Yeah. EG looked great, and Jizuke, I think, you know, was in peak form. Uh, he had been, you know, improving with the team a lot in spring. This is something that, I, like, I really enjoyed watching EG down the stretch in spring because, you know, they had been able to keep this really aggressive playstyle with Jizuke and start to limit some of the mistakes that they were making. Uh, I still think that, like, he is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, solo carry threat in the whole league, and I think he proved that again. Uh, this weekend, he was able to absolutely take over games, especially the the Corky game. Uh, mm -hmm. He was like just destroying people, like aggressive packages, you know, getting in there, um, playing really, really, really well. You know, especially paired with the Yumi, it's obviously a pretty deadly combo. But he was able to do it like very early on, even before he had a lot of the items. 
So I've been really excited about him. And I think that it also bodes well that we're seeing jungle be so incredibly strong. And guess what? The two teams that look the best in week one, the last MVP and the MVP before that, you know what I mean? It's like, well, you have two, these two jungle MVPs. It seems like the strongest role right now. It seems like everyone's talking about needing to have a great jungler to succeed. Well, it's no surprise then that these two teams are the ones that kind of came in on top. I still yeah. say mid lane's the strongest role, but you got you got me. You had you had a pain point for me there. Um, it it really does it really does go a long way, um, you know. Uh, and both of them played really well too. I I definitely agree on the side of EG. I, I'm still super excited for them. And to me, one of the biggest things is that it wasn't instant success, and that they were able to stay with this roster make improvements on that same roster with Kumo in it, by the way, who's one of the guys that has gotten the most flame in the LCS in spring when he was first on the team and everyone's like, oh my God, this weak link, weak link in the top side. And I know so many other teams have tried to make these panic roster moves and tried to move into 10-man rosters and try to do all these switcheroos with personnel. And I just really want to appreciate that Evil Geniuses actually stuck with Kumo in the top side and they became just a more cohesive team mm-hmm. and they're able to build on improvement week by week. You know, success isn't going to be something where you're like, I got these pieces, I configured them, boom, now we're better than Cloud9. That is not going to happen. Nobody has those pieces. So if nobody else has those pieces, then you need to make incremental improvements. And I feel like some of the teams... Uh, maybe overlooking that and I know that it's frustrating when especially with COVID you have a hard time getting the pieces you want and you know all this all these extra things pieces are are possible right now we didn't even talk about that in the earlier discussion exactly like it's it's there are a lot of issues going on so I just thought um, that that was one thing I want to shout out for for EG because I definitely respect the grind and the kind of incremental improvement yeah We'll keep moving right along then if teams doing 2-0 weekends looking pretty good. Team Liquid, post double lift, two thumbs way up. Let's go tactical. Two thumbs? Two. Th- what, what's your second thumb at? Is it nine? Is it sideways? It's not down. It's no, not it's, down. it's like maybe like so-so. It's kind of like really? this. I'll put it like, one and, put it and like, a half? I yeah, put it like 10. I put it like 10 o'clock. I no think like- the second game was pretty unimpressive. I still, I still go two up. um but i'll I'll let you go first so so i I know this is a little bit of a maybe a negative take um but like i got i got really excited when i i you know i heard the the kind of you know jet talking and you know some of the interviews about like finding the new identity and really figuring out what the team wanted to do and i was like yeah let's go let's see it let's see it what's tl got for me okay okay and i see game number one i'm like yeah 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 and then i see game number two and it was like oh Oh, it's it's actually draft no engage and and wait a really long time and hope your teammates your you know your team outscales and they don't do anything. So. Hey man, uh, he said he would find the identity. Didn't say they found if, it. If the identity found it. the identity is the same as it used to be. <laughs> he found it. That's true. He did find it. So I like and, and and to be fair, it's early on and and it's just one game and they did win the game against Golden Guardians, but it was just like it reminded me of 
every play style I've ever seen of a number one NA seed who got knocked out of groups. <laughs> and and it was it's just that like how but seriously, how many times have we seen that from TSM or from TL or from from other top teams where it's like your players are so good that you can kind of just hang around in a game and draft some late game stuff. And you're not going to make any critical, like massive, massive mistake that lets the opponent close out the game. And then eventually they're going to mess up and you're going to win. And that's what it felt like to me. I mean, they gave up Ocean Soul. Roxa got Flame Horizon, I'm pretty sure, or at least very close to it, if it wasn't actually a true Flame Horizon. You know, this was not an impressive game to me. And the fact that they drafted no engage at all uh, against this poke team was was actually pretty worrying. So um, I wasn't super impressed uh, with that game. They slammed TSM. That was great. But the second game made me go like, eh. Yeah. So I am not going to, con- I'm still going to give it the two thumbs up. Mm-hmm. I will not contest you on the excitement levels uh, or the innovation levels, but it comes back to this point, And there are a lot of huge spokespeople and proponents for this style. The draft better scaling, um, make fewer mistakes mentality. And I know LS talks about this a lot where he's got his whole like categorization of sinners and saints and um, you know, the sinners don't necessarily have to have have yeah. to have any scaling and stuff like that. And but Golden Guardians drafted a terrible late game team by comp. That, that's, that's, yeah. yeah. More um, more indexing on things that do have good scaling options and on yeah. minimizing mistakes. For and me personally, I agree with you that I enjoy the Cloud9 style. Of we're drafting to make plays. We're drafting to make opponents and force mistakes from them. Um, but this Team Liquid style, and you're talking about it not being anything revolutionary for them, yeah, it's most of the same players with just tact- tactical in there, is is something that they know very well Broxa, and is something they're going to get wins on. Broxa, Broxa was known as the early game god. In, no, he's known as a trundle player. In, what do you mean? You know, he, he's the least in the least guy. This is like so much credit was always given to him for Fnatic having the most dominant early game jungle uh, you know, stats. Last year he was, was in the LEC. You know, where is this, this hyper-aggressive thing? You know, they're drafting trundle uh, you know, both games. It's, it's not getting aggressive. It's, it's not doing that and and to be to clarify i have no problem at all with the late game play style i and drafting scaling i actually think that's really good i do have a problem with doing that and having no engage because then what how i feel is you are completely dependent upon your opponent's mistakes when you are drafting like pure late game you're drafting losing lanes and you have no engage you don't have the ability to choose where you fight right if you have winning lanes and and you're drafting scaling then then you just like won the lottery and you should just win the game because then you go to the objectives it doesn't matter that you don't have engage because they have to come to you um but you know if you don't have either of those i think it's just a bad draft yeah and i did say that in the game um as it was going on I still am bringing up the the valid route to success here, though. Yeah. Um, I I would say it's valid. They again, won, uh, but I give it a thumb and a half. Let's yeah. you know some teams got two thumbs down. Kobe, a thumb and a half is a big increase from that. Uh, I was just gonna say I kind of side in the middle, obviously, because I had the the thumb. Yeah, I think scaling and the thumb drafting and three quarters. Even even having limited engage can be fine, depending on what the enemy win condition is. Um, when you look at Golden Guardian's draft, it needs to win early. And if you can actually use your disengage that you've prioritized in basically every lane to just negate and kind of like limit their their options, um, you know, that 
I think is totally fair. Trundle going for the level three gank and then getting uh, taken out on his red was just a bad idea, I think. Uh, going for just trying to get LeBl- uh, excuse me, a little bit extra priority against Jason for the Oriana and trying to chunk him out or, or burn a flash to make laning phase safer. Honestly, honestly, it's just a bad plan because yeah. it's a phase rush Jace. You, you actually can't get anything. Trundle, yeah. like your pillar does nothing to a phase rush champion. And that's why he felt, I mean, it's a tough matchup too in general um, and yeah. all these things. What I will say though is the Jace was last pick. And if Golden Guardians had a good matchup into Oriana that also scaled better with the Orn, I actually think that this is a bad draft by, by TL. Because you, you didn't force them to pick that. So then, then then it's just yeah. a bad draft because they right. didn't they, but, they didn't choose what the opponents picked. Yeah. So we yeah. should we should separate if we're talking about the game or or the draft or or both because yeah. I yeah I, I didn't for I, for me I'm I'm just talking more like these are my first impressions of a team. I know. Right. I know. How how impressed am I week one? I know. And, and I'm I'm just saying that like the draft wasn't great. It was yeah. okay though. Because you had already seen Thresh, Nidalee, Callista. You already understand it's probably a pretty early game team, and you've picked a fair amount of disengage to negate that. I think it probably went a little bit too far, but I don't think it was, was god-awful when you've already no, seen three it, early game champs. And then, and then Golden Guardians messed it all up, in my opinion, by, by going for a they fourth early won. game champ. Yeah. And they could have won still. Golden Guardians could have won. I mean, uh, they had Soul and a, and a Flame Rising. Of course, they could have won. By the, time <laughs> they got, by the time they got Soul, though, they already kind of lost the yeah, game yeah, because yeah. They, they lost Baron and were, yeah. gave up their gold lead. But, but to, like, you know, the things that happened bot lane where they didn't have the, the uh, guy bound uh, and, like, those kinds yeah. of things that happened. That was big yikes. Yeah, so, like, it was a, it was a bit of a messy game, uh, but it's week one. If this was, like, TL make, making this draft in week nine, I think I'd be more concerned. Um, yeah. So I, I'm kind of like, eh, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine, right? And and and, I, and again, I'm not trying to be super negative on them because I thought their first game was great. And and this was, you know, they have a good start, right? They started 2-0. It's just like did did like when I when we're talking about the 2-0 teams, this is one I was least excited about for sure. Um, you know, when when I actually, you know, am, am grading TL, I'm not grading them on being ninth last bit. I'm I'm grading them okay. on, on being on being, I am. So I I, I, don't, I think that was an aberration. I don't think that that should be the baseline for success. The baseline it, for success, they won four championships in a row. It like, for sure is an aberration, but you don't just instantly come back from that. I think yeah. like you you need to prove again with to this, me with this roster. If you're not a championship contender, I think that's a failure. That yeah, is for, that is that sure. is how I see TL. So that is the the baseline that I'm I'm looking at them for, and I just couldn't see that the the game that they played. You know, have having won against you know the EG or the FlyQuest or the C9, right? And that was why I was like, oh, I was a little bit disappointed. And also because I was so excited after their first game where they crushed TSM and they looked really, you know, really good. So um, it was a bit yeah. of a letdown game for this, me. Still a two a week, and obviously, you know, really good. Overall. I don't think that you can ignore that they finished ninth for a real reason. And I know the whole split where like, oh my god, these players shouldn't be doing this. These this team should be better. That type of stuff. Um, there were so many real problems that I think should not be ignored that they had in spring <laughs> is, is all that I'm, is all I'm saying. I, I feel like this is one of those times where part. like someone's giving him a five and someone's giving him a six and we're arguing like blue in the face. That's, that's how, that's how I feel too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't feel like I'm putting them that much below where you, yeah, where yeah. I think we can move on. We're not saying each other are wrong. We're, I just think we're getting good both sides of this discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, great job. All right, now let's move on to that's all around. Let's move on to one that we can argue about because me and Mark put uh, FlyQuest second in our power rankings. They look Very like second. FlyQuest, yeah. Uh, yeah. Azale put TSM second. Uh, 
Do it really look like second? Just close and your no. eyes for game one and then open your eyes for game two. Second place. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Game one was a, was a bit of a yikes. Um, you know, that, that was rough. You know, I, I, like my main concern that I brought up for TSM uh, and when I power ranked them second, I didn't really like, like I basically was just kind of debating with myself. Like there's that clump of teams below cloud nine. Who's what's the order going to be. Um, so I wasn't, I definitely wasn't shocked that TL beat them. I actually predicted TL was going to beat them for, for on, for the weekend. And, and I do think that largely that game, you can put a lot of it on, on speaker. Cause to me that Kane performance was actually abysmal. Like that was horrible. Uh, he, he like, wasn't even trying, dude. Like, he, if, if you're going to draft Kane, you need to be fighting early and often to transform, to get your transform. That is what the whole champion is. And if you're not even attempting ganks, then there's no reason to pick the champion ever. That is just how I see it. There is, there's obviously other mistakes too. Uh, if you take those fights as Kane and it goes bad or something, that feels more acceptable to me than how this game felt, which felt like he just basically AFK farmed and didn't, didn't gank and he didn't get his form till 23 minutes. Like, of course you lost the game. It is definitely a very bad game. Um, when you pick Kane, you need to have your whole team bought in on Kane is yeah. the part of thing for me. So to say you that gotta, he didn't you try to, hurts me as like a jungler. So I don't um, mean didn't try as in didn't and, try to win the game. He didn't try to take those fights early to get his transform is what I'm trying to say. Every LPL game I've ever watched of and Kane, I would say the and, team and we've seen a lot of those. Okay, well then the team didn't, whatever. Cool. But the Kane, the Kane performance was abysmal. And at the end of the day, I think if you're going to pick Kane and you're the jungler piloting it, you have some responsibility to be looking for those fights, enforcing those fights. And every time I've ever seen it come out in LPL, which it has been played for years, as not as like a, a main meta pick, but you know specific counters and in the tanks and things like this, all they do is run to the lane over and over and over and fight because they're trying to get a quick red transform. And that is how they can take over a game. Yeah, I, I just don't want all of TSM's problems to be blamed on a single jungler again. Um, yes. is, is, is this what I'm trying to interject? And in game I two, agree, he was Zale. great. And, and in game two, he was great. And I think the thing to point out too is like when I didn't feel like the the draft helped Kane out very much. You can say speakers should have been more vocal or something about draft and what he needed. But when you look at when I always look at C9 and how they integrate players champions that they want to mm -hmm. play and new new younger players and they like i said they bend over backwards in their draft for them this did not feel like they bent over backwards at all for speaker it felt like they asked do you want to play your cane here or something and he was like sure i guess you know and then they just picked it with other random crap that the rest of the team wanted <laughs> like syndra cane yes you can scrap 2v2 and you can try and make fights happen but it's not like galio gp to help you with any jungle fight you take post six you know like uh the way that c9 will oh yeah. you want to play kindred here's things that grow, go great with it oh you want to play graves or whatever you want it like i just don't think they actually tried to to help his his uh cane in the draft the way that they could have so i mean it's, it's definitely not a, as as much of like a, a jungle folks draft that's obviously some of those c9 things but i do think when you're drafting calista bot lane they're thinking okay we're gonna like have a pushing bot that's the initial plan right obviously the bard came in and, and things changed a little bit but i think they're like okay calista is gonna win a spot cinder is gonna win a smid atrox is a strong stable top laner and this is gonna allow the cane to run around and, and maybe have assistance from a lane to scrap with the trundle and, and stack up his form quick right i think that was kind of the, yeah. the thought process um obviously it didn't happen and if you're not getting assistance from the laners trundle's gonna actually win that 1v1 before you have your your form change so yeah uh, that gets difficult 
Your goal, yeah. by the way, is Kane in that in that matchup is to be like, I'm here, ah, touch, touch, and then run the run the hell away. Give me the orbs. And then yeah. eat I got some the orbs. I'm- <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that 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 was uh, uh, obviously there is multiple components to it. I'm not trying to put it just on him, but the Kane performance, whether you want to put that yeah. on the team or the thing, was clearly responsible for game one. TL did a great job. Uh, Impact had an incredible game in that one, actually, on the Mordekaiser. You know, it was really popping off. Um, and Core JJ's bard was sick. It was really nice to see, actually, Core JJ have, have one of those MVP-esque performances. That's something we didn't really, you know, touch on earlier with, uh, with the TL stuff. Um, I was really, really excited for Core JJ and how damn well he was playing because it was really weird to watch him go from what I thought was the best player in the league to last split it was like who are you like what happened you know it wasn't it wasn't just double if like this man is inching some of these games so hyped about the the good bard play and also hyped about how speaker came back after what i thought was an abysmal king game and i was like oh no is this really what we're gonna get and he did great on the trundle he was actually in a losing matchup against acadian i believe on the nidalee so this was like you know that that Nidalee uh, Trundle matchup that Broxa got super slammed in off of one mistake. And he actually double scuttled the Nidalee. He actually stayed even in farm. He had more gank pressure. So Spika completely outjungled the Kadian in that game. And I thought he was, you know, a massive part of their dominant win. It was like a, what, 25-minute win? I thought he was, you know, one of the biggest reasons for that. So, you know, that built up some of that confidence that I had lost in him uh, from the first game. Yeah, I thought the second game was better, but... I we all had Dignitas power ranked pretty lowly. Uh, and this was mm-hmm. a, a kind of you know, you're talking about drafts that don't excite you. This is a draft that doesn't really excite me. It's double front line, Yumi, double back line, marksman. Uh, it's a well balanced, well crafted team comp. Uh, kind of has engaged a little bit, depending on how much you, you value Aatrox flank and like Yumi ults and stuff. So, like, mm. it, it had some of those same problems that you kind of talked about a little bit about with the, the TL one that, that didn't impress as much. Yeah, um, this one feels a little bit different because it felt like it's a little more like pokey, right? Like, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's you better. Can, you can kind of just walk the the quirky at your opponents with a Yumi attached to it, and that's actually your engage, just shooting them. Yeah, I just mean like the the style that you talked about, where like a good North American team can draft a comp that doesn't need to do anything and just kind of yep. scale and then eventually win. That's yep. how this one felt to me. And Definitely, TSM beat what we have is like the eighth, ninth, tenth best team in the league. So like, shocker, that went well. Yeah, yeah. but. To be fair, it was a 25 minute win, which yeah, it was good. That like that part is is good, and I and I will give points, uh, you know, for dominance, you know, as as they got they got dominated by TL in game number one, which is credit to TL, and they they crushed this game. So, you know, Acadian uh, obviously didn't have have his best game in this one. Yeah, dig dig definitely struggling. I feel like dig CLG and Immortals is kind of our struggle bus dud teams at the bottom right now all with um some really big issues that um you don't have a lot of high expectations for uh for those teams in pretty much any game that they go into Mm. um is there any anything specific that you want to like recommend for for any of these three teams as like their first step of of climbing out because I think already in week one, we've established some, mm. some pretty clear tiers of teams. I, um, I had a report and honor segment that I wanted to do. Um, oh. so I'll, I'll throw it in here because one is honoring potluck. I thought he looked pretty good, um, for immortals. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this is means benching Smithy was right or wasn't. I just mean that it, it was a good showing and it made me excited to actually watch him play. Uh, his early games were pretty good. He was able to get things done. 
maybe not as great in the mid to late game, but that's kind of expected stuff for a, a younger player on a team that doesn't really have a whole lot of what feels like working for them. A lot of good things working for them. So I, I thought he looked good for his, his premiere. Uh, report? My report was every single North American top laner. Cause where the hell is Wukong? What is happening? He's the second highest priority top laner in the LPL behind Orn only. And we had one band that was like a throwaway band. You know, you have LC, L, LEC playing it a little bit. Like, this is a clear pick. They were losing with it, by the way. That's fine. What? <laughs> How many times has North American top laners been so behind the ball on literally everything? Victor top, Aatrox top. You know, like, every time there's a new champion, GP top, when that was good. Like, right when that came out in 2015. Like, we are always so behind the ball on top lane. And it's happening again. And I'm, I'm going to report and flame North America <laughs> until we have any priority on Wukong or it's nerfed into the ground, which it, it might, but. Is it, are you just like, look, LPL spamming it. They're the best region in the world. Um, they probably know I, something. I, I have talked to a lot of the, the top laners um, and there's a lot of matchups that they really don't like being in with Wukong. I would, I, I always come back to them and I'm like, yes, but what about the team fighting with this champion? It's absolutely insane. Uh, and the pressure that you get at six, absolutely insane once you have access to the double ultimate. Um, so I agree, super strong right now and should should be seeing attention. Um, it's not like it's but, just because it's high priority doesn't mean it's like insta first pick either in China and stuff, you know, like they yeah. do, you know, they're drafting intelligently with it. I'm not saying you have to instantly first pick it, but like late phase rotations that it's just like not getting seen at all. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. And I mean, I, I think that it's it's at least should be in, in people's wheelhouse, right? And and I agree. Like, I, I don't think that it just needs to be, you know, blind picked. I don't think that really makes sense. Um, but a lot of top laners are blind picking their Aatrox and their, and their Ornn. And Wukong's actually pretty good into both of those, right? You know, I think that, that it can be fairly successful in, into both those matchups. Those are the two most commonly blind picked top laners in North America. Um, so if people are going to blind pick that, and it's a game where Wukong can team fight successfully, seems pretty good right you know it's it's a situation where you're setting yourself up for a, a fine lane and a successful team fight phase like that feels like a good pick so I, I agree that it that it should be picked up and you know definitely wasn't successful in, in uh, lec you know it was only picked three times it lost all three games uh but it has been you know a really big pick uh in in the lpl uh, lec felt more tank based um than some of the other regions you know when you were looking at there like Malkai, i know they had so. malkai they even had Cho'Gath, they had a lot of orn um so you know lec was was really kind of indexing pretty heavily towards uh tanks top um but you know they they did obviously have a couple of wukong picks they had quite a bit of gp which gp is always going to get mixed in when there's a lot of a lot of tanks. tanks because it's it's pretty successful into that you know maybe it's dangerous in some of the early matchups against the tanks but once you get some levels and some items you're you're pretty pretty comfortable so i think that there there is room to to mix around with with some of that different stuff but i've always felt like that you know that is uh, lpl is the best region at utilizing red side because they use counter picks and we've talked about this a couple of times on mm -hmm. on the show and I've always loved that about the LPL, how they have, you know, extremely talented top laners who are like, oh, you blind picked Aatrox? Well, we're going to build our whole comp around Fiora and you're going to do nothing, right? Or, or whatever, you know, or we're going to play Quinn and absolutely just destroy this matchup. Uh, and I love that sort of play style that people have the confidence to actually just like all in on one pick or one lane and say, hey, this is such a good matchup. We're going to 
emphasize this. We're going to play around this and we're going to crush you with this. And I think that's really exciting um, both to watch and, and to kind of, you know, uh, be, be a part of as, as a player to have that confidence put in you from the team. So I, I've always felt like um, both, you know, NA, but also LEC, to be honest, uh, often often does kind of go with more like the safe late picks. They're less less towards the hardcore counter picks, more about like blind picking and playing towards compositions compared to the LPL, uh, LCK as well. So uh, I hope that we get more of that. I would love to see more Wukong. I would love to see more spicy counter picks top. There's a lot of range champions being played top still in solo queue. Like people are still doing Quins and Veins and, you know, Callista top was really big for a while and that sort of stuff. So uh, I hope we get some of that. I kind of derailed us off uh, teams there. I don't know if you guys want to circle back to any of the uh, bottom three teams. I, I only touched on Immortals, so I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, for, for me, my, my kind of recommendation for teams at the bottom is like, what, when I hear, hear these teams talking, when I watch these teams playing, they look like they have so little confidence, right? And I think that when you are, are kind of down in, in the gutter and, and feeling bad about your team and everyone's saying you suck and all this stuff, it's like you need to build some, some confidence. And to me, like, I, I just want to see them go to basics, draft really simple compositions, you know, look for really simple win conditions, draft teams with like multiple forms of engage, Look for team fighting, you know. Try to snowball objectives like these these types of simple kind of basics, and um, and and see if they could be successful through that. I think when you get into into kind of like the more complex team comps, it gets really hard to play, and the teams just like just aren't looking good enough to do it. Like when you're doing, you know, Jace Nidalee and like all <laughs> all this type of stuff, like you know, as CLG, it's it's probably not going to happen. Like you're probably not going to execute it well enough. So like I'd rather see them going with like you know the Orin and the Nautilus bot and and you know go for scaling, go for team fighting, and and try to win. You know, by having having the ability to actually pick people out with engage and and looking for better team fight comps. So you're saying don't pick four pure poke champs and a Cassiopeia. Is that am I getting that right? Because I agree. <laughs> that one's getting two thumbs up. <laughs> I think I'm right here with you, buddy. Yeah. I'm even fine with them taking comps that have, you know, more specific synergies if you want. Like, uh, you know, you don't have to play yeah, box. Like they should have put Teemo with the Cassiopeia, so Cassio didn't need to poison, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I was going to say, like, C9 had a good giraffe for Olaf with champs that are pretty easy to play, all things considered. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. anyone want to try that? Um, I, I do like that you specifically mentioned Nidalee-Jace combo, though, because Golden Guardians is a team that, I actually got excited about uh, at the beginning of this split. You know, it kind of dropped off last split, right? They were like, all right, we got into playoffs. All right, we're out of playoffs. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> yeah, peace. Um, but I thought they came back with a really cool new identity, picking up DeMonte in the offseason. Um, and both of their drafts were clearly embracing this player who has a strong personality, uh, a strong way that he views and wants to play the game. They get closer on two power farming carry champions graves nidalee they pair that with demonte having kill pressure in an echo matchup and in a jace matchup and they try and use these two players to gain priority um in both of their games it was directed towards the bottom half of the map um where they had cc options and then try and control dragons try and try and win the, the game that way and they're really setting up some of their you know, star players and big playmakers for success. So I thought that's really exciting. That, 
yeah, I thought that's one thing the Golden Guardians did well. You know, both it was both a successful game plan where I could see, even though they didn't win that game versus Team Liquid, I could clearly see their their path and their goals in that game. Um, and like you're saying, it was also exciting. So you get the the two for one there. You know, success plus you gain some fans and some viewership, and Azalea's happy with you, which is yeah, always a good yeah, thing. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Closer arguably like individually perform the best out of any juggler. I think you can at least make the argument. I know Golden Guardians was posting some pretty insane stats. And yes, he did play Graves and Italy into two Trundle games. And yes, in both those Trundle games, uh, the, the Trundle player made a mistake. You know, Acadian uh, path and, and actually face-checked his Graves, got first-blooded. Broxa, you know, did the mid-lane gank into a face-rush Jace and then went to his red where the Nilly could be waiting and, and actually killed him. Or did he kill him or did he just get slashed? I think he killed he him. Got he flashed him. No, okay, uh, Broxa got, got chased out, flashed, and had to go only to the okay. top side of the map. Then he took his bottom half. Check. Okay, so either way, you know, both times it's like, yes, his opponent made a mistake and he had a winning matchup, but he was able to capitalize on the mistake. Yeah. He was able to be in the right position to punish, you know, the mistake and to anticipate that they would actually go for this. He created massive farm advantages. He had huge amounts of pressure for the team. You know, he was looking so good and so exciting i think in week one so um i'm actually so happy i do i do feel like maybe the top and the bottom you know like the top teams maybe look even better and the bottom teams maybe look even a little bit worse um but you know there was a lot of teams that looked more exciting than i expected them to i think FlyQuest really was was playing more up tempo golden guardians was playing more up tempo eg you know like some of these teams tl had a had a slamming game TSM had a game where they slammed. We had a lot of quick games that were really, really fun to watch. So I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see, uh, you know, if that trend continues and people can kind of continue to push the pace and close out games quickly. All right. I guess it's time to move on to Twitter questions then and I have picked out some ahead of time. Uh, Anton uh, at UCSC sent us one really early in the week. And it got a lot of traction um, just being uh, sent like right after the game. So uh, let's go with this one first. This is a Hall of Fame question, which we kind of talked about in our uh, first episode of the year. Mm -hmm. He says, with Faker and Uzi, the mostly unanimous top two players in the world, who would the third best player of all time be? And then he puts forth some nominations uh, himself. Of Carsa, Clear Love, Perks, Ambition, Mata. There's a lot of discussion, actually, even in just in that chain before uh, the week went on. Some people um, agreeing or disagreeing with a, with a lot of those pieces. I uh, uh, I got a question yeah, for you guys. Do you think the they need to have won a world championship to to be the third best player of all time? Here. Here Uzi, was my. Uzi hasn't won a world championship, and he's the second best player. If we're saying that, so no. That's yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here, good. here was my like my quick answer uh, to it. I was like, okay, there are only a couple players where right now I'd be like, okay, I consider maybe for me, Deft, mm -hmm. um, Mata, maybe Mad Life. If we're going, you know, reaching back and really valuing uh, history, um, but even that one's kind of a kind of far out there. So there's only a couple names that really popped in my name my mind quickly. I would say there are a lot of people right now that are building those resumes though, and are progressing pretty far. Um, I know a lot of people in the replies were like, oh, "How can Perks be in there?" Um, you know, all these all these types of players. I would say my 
building resume right now for that is list is pretty long. Like I would have, I would have the shy, I would have rookie, I would have perks. I would have, I would even put Knight in there. Um, because I think that he is headed for greatness as well. Um, I did like that. Um, Anton mentioned Carsa because Carsa actually does have a lot of history with flash wolves and coming from one of these smaller regions, yet still always having a big international impact and now being able to also transition after he got out of a smaller region into the LPL and having a large amount of success. I think that one's there too. Um, Jackie Love, Doonby, like the, the, these are the types of players that I'm like, well, in a few years, maybe the resume is there, maybe the trophies and stuff are there. Yeah. yeah. I think... Uh, Third is does feel relatively open. Um, I think the Mata and Deft are the two I lean the closest to just with um, their success over the course of their careers, going to China, having success, yeah. uh, winning a world championship for Mata. Uh, so I definitely think it's close. Um, I'm trying to think of like, I feel like there's got to be a great jungler that I, I feel like I need to put in there. I mean, there. Fengi is the most successful. But yeah. a lot, like people are, are up and down on them. Some people are like, oh, he was just like a you know, product of the team or whatever. But um, I mean, if you want to talk about success, it, it would probably be Bengi. A lot of the junglers that were really hyped for, for a bit fell off really hard. I mean, I think you know, if you want to talk about longevity and, and dominance in a region, Clear Love is up there. Um, but you know, he won a ridiculous amount of stuff in LPL. But my, my immediate thought, and this is without like you know, researching or whatever, uh, was always Mata. Mata is the one that jumps in to me. Um, you know, we're not like I agree with you, Kobe, that like a lot of the guys that you listed and stuff, you know, you know perks and and caps and some of these great LPL players and stuff, you know, give it a couple of years and they may have built that resume to to be that. Um, but I do think winning a, a world championship is a is a huge thing and, and does weigh in, in Mata's favor. I mean, he won LCK four times, he won the LPL, he won Kespa Cup, he won a world championship. Uh, this is a guy that had longevity, you know, throughout the game. He was successful in like multiple different eras of the game. It felt like so for me, Mata would be the one that that probably jumps out. Um, yeah. There are players that had more regional success, arguably in less competitive regions and things like this. You know, as obviously Mata was doing really, really well in LCK. Uh, you know, kind of at at the peak of LCK too. Um, so it, it's 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 a tough argument. It really depends on what you what you weigh, right? Because it's like Clear Love had so many titles. Perks has what seven seven titles or something like that now in 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 eu um, insane. So, so there's guys that have more regional titles um and perks has uh, an msi win right so you know maybe maybe really his resume is up there it just is kind of how you're gonna weigh it but there's um mod is one that pops in my head but definitely a lot of worthy candidates all right our second question is from at marco smooth cat uh <laughs> if you could make one roster move, no question asked, who would your move be and to which team? Are we mm. talking about like we can just like steal the player from anywhere and put them anywhere? It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to be like... So, yeah, this one says any roster move. This is just purely for your enjoyment, I guess. Um, what would the roster... To, to regions <laughs> like they have to already be... North- <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, is it just that Azalea gets to pick the shy? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he had a bad split last split, which made me made me extremely sad, to be honest. But um, I love the shy man. He's so fun to watch. I just want yeah. the shy. Uh, maybe can, not. Maybe not this... dream scenarios where we pick. Uh, he said no I'm questions like, asked. Kobe. I'm like Knight. Quit asking questions. Give Knight to I don't know who needs to ret- Dignitas. 
I don't even care. The Shy could just go on any team. Okay, okay. So our first answer is we're going to pick some of the best players in the world, bring them to NA. Yeah. Let's say if we have to stay in NA and, yeah. <laughs> and move stuff around, maybe let's uh, try that angle too. Um, I guess the question is like, what are you prioritizing? I assume for most of us, it's to make a good team great. I feel like that's probably what we're mostly uh, thinking about. I don't so know how you the, guys feel. One of the most talked about ones right now. TSM, um, TSM like, just needs got, a really good jungler. Like, I was going to say Maybe Brock, like Sven so. Skarin or Sam oh. Horan or <laughs> just, you know, a great Extendi. jungler that, you know, you know, just, uh, that, you know, something they've never had before, you know, like an MVP caliber jungler. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 is everyone talking about Smithy because he's in Academy yeah. currently? So that one would be a, like a real possibility of a move. Do you guys think like there should be more weight around that? What do you think about um, his academy performance? You know what you have to like guess what internal stuff went on to, yeah. to get this to this scenario. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, and Naively, you would say they should go for it at least, though, based off history. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's tough, right? Like if you, if you're assuming that Xmithy is motivated and that like you know TSM players want to play with him and stuff, I think that's really cool. It, it's kind of funny because it's like you're. If, if you're trying, if the goal with the trade is like make the best team, then you're going to look at teams that you think could could be or are near the top and have like the one glaring thing where you're like, oh, maybe he's not that good, right? So I think people are going to jump to like, oh, what if there's a, someone for tactical or like, oh, what if there's someone for, for a speaker or a Kumo, right? You know, I think those are the ones that people are, are really going to like immediately think. Um, I think. You know, if, if I'm just like doing this like dream world and I don't have to care about import slots or, or like anything like that, someday on EG, that would be pretty hype. Like, you know, imagine imagine they had, had someday in, instead of Kumo and like, yes, that's three imports, right? Can't happen. But um, in this fake world, EG gets, uh, you know, a really good top laner that I think you've created another like championship caliber team. Um, I would, uh, I would go, um, you know, since we're in make-believe land, I would remake Delta Fox on Dignitas. <laughs> Which would be Scara, Shifter, oh. Cutie Pie, uh, Voy Boy. You're just, you're just kicking all of Big Toss out of the league. You're like, you suck anyway. Let's get Delta Fox back. Nah, I just, you know, let's have some fun. Mm. I'm not saying kick him out of the league. I would find Academy Mark, spots for most of those guys. Mark, we started this episode talking about young talent and didn't building they up lose, the scene. Didn't they lose <laughs> every single game in Academy when they played in Academy? Other Did than Johnson, who's young talent there? Who you're bringing in the oldest of the old players? What do you? I know, but I'm I'm saying like I'm replacing four out of five old talent with old talent. There's only one player, Johnson, who who is a young talent. Yeah, and you can, you you're living in fantasy worlds. So you can just you know replace some uh, some washed up old guy with them. You know. <laughs> okay, I like it. Good answers, boys. <laughs> Did you even give an answer? What's your answer? Yeah, I didn't uh, uh, you asked the tough question. I know? would put me. As a jungler on TSM, obviously, since we're living in fantasy world, oh, yeah. uh, no, I a part of the thing with the Xmithy one that I want to bring up is that I have heard uh, mm. that the TSM players and staff are like really are, are actually happy with uh, mm. with Spica. I know a lot of people are super worried, um, so maybe there is a little hesitancy there, not only on like, oh, do we pick up Xmithy, but also maybe they have they they like what they've been building with him. Obviously, the Kane game was terrible. Completely agree with you there. So, um, can I a little bit of giving, giving put take. myself on Cloud Nine, but only when they pick Yumi and 
the you know only after they picked Yumi, so the team can't uh-huh. like you know counterpick it. Kind of like I think, the. I think if I could just like sit down, you know, in that like Yumi game that they drafted, I think I could win some games on Cloud Nine. I like it. Like the yeah. uh, the IG owner when he subbed himself actually into a pro game. <laughs> yeah, on, exactly. In, on IG, but, and they. But won. I need a I need a more beneficial situation. You know, you I want to play I, Jin. I, I don't want to like sit down and then they just like ban Yumi. And I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a bad game, guys. <laughs> You know, I want it to be like Vulcan sitting there and then, you know, they have to ban all this other stuff and respect him because he's a good player. And then it's a perfect Yumi draft and Yumi's just the easiest we're, we're remote. In the game. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's easy to do right now. Yeah. There's, so no, then, there's no cams on. Then we just keep up the Vulcan cam and I just sit down in his seat and play Yumi and get some LCS dubs. All right. Just, just ask for his login info for Tourney Run. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be fine with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll rack up the MVP points. Uh, I was also thinking like some realistic ones like, mid lane changes like Poe Belter get him out of there and onto 100 Thieves for Ryoma or something like that might be able to uh, make another contender but uh, I think that is going to do it for us for this episode of the dive thank you to Honda for supporting the show and thanks to all of you for watching and listening at home also we've moved to anchor as our new podcasting host you can actually go on to anchor.fm and leave us voice messages uh make sure that you put some thought into them i'm a little we, bit we might actually these. use them if they're good so like yeah, yeah. There, there's a world in which you ask your dive question through anchor and we have your voice clip on the dive and we respond to it so that's pretty cool if you you know send us one and you're a little <laughs> immature about it and then you know jokes on us we had to listen to it maybe or someone did but it's not going to get on the show so <laughs> yeah, smarten so up we- you might be able to get them directly sent, though. If you want to leave Kobe like a love letter, you call in. Yeah, true. All breathy. Hey, Kobe, I just want to say you're my favorite caster. <laughs> Mark, I don't like what you're doing here. Uh, <laughs> I do, though. So that's one you, thumb you up and that, one thumb down. You said on this this episode, you're lonely. You said it. You I did a, not say that I'm lonely. You said that I said you're that single. I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Those are not the same. That's true. He also doesn't have a cat. That's why he's lonely. Dude, you don't want cats. My cats have been messing with my succulents all episode. That's why I kept rolling away, for anyone who noticed. No. Had to kick me out of like, the room. I feel like that's a that's a first world cat problem. Some of us is, don't yeah. have cats. Yeah, he still cuddled me about. for the entire morning, so I don't, I don't regret it. All right, everybody, tune into the LCS on Friday. We'll see you there. Uh, get it for week two. 